Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. fans, are you ready to Brave the Wild with me, your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan? Brave the Wild is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podman, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Double Twist, TuneIn Radio. Thank you always for downloading and listening to this show. And yes, if you could, do us a big favor and download the show rather than stream it because it'll actually show up as a download. That always helps business potential in the future. Great to be back on board. Well, we have a Stanley Cup final. It's official. And this is the final show before State of the Wild 2020. Of course, it's partially recorded in advance. Part of it is. Not all of it, of course. Going to have a fun fan interaction segment I'll be recording on Saturday. And, of course, uh, that show will be finally published right after the end of the Stanley Cup final because I'll do a brief conversation about that thrown in. Segment 1.5 or 2.5, something like that. Probably segment 1.5, I'll throw that in that type of thing. It's just tradition. I like to have the cup finalists. I know this year's unique and you want to have it like a little time ahead of the draft, but it'll be in ahead of the draft a little bit. And it's mostly wrapping up the wild season and talking about free agency, not just uh, only the draft. So, and free agency will begin right after that. And we'll just have to wait and see. But speaking of uh, changes with the wild and stuff, before we talk about the conference final series, which were both decent, I guess, unless you're happy about Dallas getting to the Cup final. I'm not too happy about that necessarily, but uh, what a hell of a season they've had. Uh, we're gonna. We certainly have some significant Minnesota Wild news to talk about. This will still be a one segment show, but uh, well, the Minnesota Wild. We had all this conversation. I was gonna write an article to uh, for uh, Gone Puck Wild, and I have written my first article. It is about Philip Lindbergh. So, have you ever heard of the Lindbergh? Like, have you ever heard of the Lindbergh baby? That type of thing. That old old thing from back in the day when the Lindbergh baby was uh, kidnapped way back in the day. Uh, this was a bar, uh, course about, have you ever heard of Philip? Like, Philip Lindbergh of uh, UMass Amherst. And that was a fun article to write, not overly long, this and that, because there's only so much you can write, and I don't want to make this massive thing. And <laughs> this is my first article for Gone Puck Wild, but really proud to be part of that. Thank you again very much. But you're giving shout-outs during the course of the show, generally speaking, Gone Puck Wild, MNW Prospects, always so proud to be part of that with Pablo Bennett, Justin Backey, and Brandon Quast. Awesome guys. Uh, Brandon Quast referred me to Gone Puck Wild, got me going there. Uh, Derek Felsk is one of the great guys out there as well. 
uh, crease and assist. We'll talk about those guys as we move forward into the show as well. Uh, not taking questions for this one, of course. They all will go to State of the Wild. That's the Grand Poobah. So, of course, the questions are starting to float around already leading up into Saturday or Sunday morning when I will record the uh, <laughs> that, that, that fan interaction segment, which would be a hell of a lot of fun. But the Wild, well, there was conversation. I was going to write an article about Jonas Brodeen versus Matt Dumba about getting traded. And then you see uh, Brennan Menel leave, and then that kind of tightened things up. It's like, well, now you're not in a huge rush to trade Dumba away necessarily. But if you do trade Dumba, you might want to get Jonas Burdeen like, uh, inked up first because that could be a huge problem signing Jonas Burdeen if you trade Matt Dumba away. You might be screwed, and then you're double screwed because then after, uh, you know, your top guys, Spurgeon and Suter, you're looking at a whole lot of, well, Carson Soucy, if you're lucky, if you're able to re-sign him, and you'd probably be able to desperately re-sign him. Maybe you'd overpay him. And the other side, well, Kalen Edison, are you ready? Louis Belpedio, let's go. But um, we'll have to wait and see what happens. A lot of people do believe Dumba's trade could be possible. Victor Rask getting bought out, blah, 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 blah. But no, a uh, seven-year contract, a new seven-year contract for Jonas Brodeen, indeed. So a $6 million a year cap hit during the seven-year span. So Jonas Brodeen is inked until the uh, spring of 2028. Pretty insane. So just one more year remaining of 4.166667 coming to Jonas Burdine as a cap hit anyway. Still a decent contract as it was when it was originally signed and fairly long term. But our left shot defenseman, second pairing, who could be a top pairing type of guy as well, but generally a second pairing because he's not offensive minded necessarily. There will be a no-move clause because there's always a no-move clause. Uh, Matt Dumba does not have a no-move clause. So interesting there, of course. He has a $6 million a year uh, annual cap hit, that type of thing, for Matt Dumba. Literally $6 million even. So that's the cool part. I'm surprised we were able to keep Brodine down to 6 That's a good thing versus, you know, some people feared he could be up in the 7.5, maybe even higher, but you don't want to go too high. Uh, luckily, Brodine's still only 27 years of age, only one year older than Matt Dumba, which is kind of crazy because remember back in 2011, that's when we basically got those guys together in that uh in those couple of years there, 2011 and then 2012 for Matt Dumba, 7th overall in Dumba's case, uh, I believe 11th overall for Jonas Brodeen, and he was thought of as being a top defenseman for quite a while, just his intelligence, his uh, stay-at-home ability, and I was very pro-keep Brodeen and trade Dumba if you're going to have to trade one of them for a potential top-line center, which still is a need, very much so, and we'll talk about that in a couple of seconds. Uh, Jonas Brodeen, though, again, seven years annually, and I'll talk about this some more in the fan interaction segment for Brave the Wild, so that's definitely going to happen. We'll talk about that some more, but uh, it's good. We're secure at defense in a big way, and now there's a strong possibility Matt Dumba could get dealt away. Of course, they both play a different side defensively. Uh, we used to be very thin on the right defense position, and now we're very deep. Obviously, Jared Spurgeon inked a seven-year contract leading into last season, so it's a biggie. Uh, 7.575 for Jared Spurgeon, first major free agent signing of uh, Bill Guerin's career, though it's probably negotiated more with uh, Scott, uh, I just called him Scott Curvers, but uh, Mr. Curvers, their Tom Curvers, uh, assistant GM of the Wild. He's age of 30 already, which is kind of a bummer, but still very strong season for him. He has a no-move clause Ryan Suter, of course, in the no-move clause, and you're finally seeing that red button that says UFA, uncapped friendly, because it lasts for a course of seven years. 
Is it seven? Yeah, it's a seven-year span. So Brodeen's here for basically, yeah, well, yeah, seven more years because he was going to be a, uh, no, <laughs> he's, he's here for the next eight years because next year he's already signed, yes. He was going to be a free agent after the end of uh, next season. Uh, again, Spurgeon, it's a seven-year span. You're finally seeing a red button <laughs> for Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi because remember, those were 13-year contracts, so that red button called UFA was not available in a seven-year span. That's how long those guys were inked. So Spurgeon and Brodeen are inked for quite a while. They could be a pairing on occasion. Obviously, Spurgeon on the right, Brodeen on the left. So we're set at left-shot defenseman, at least for with Suter. He's going to be here if we like it or not. And he's obviously still a hell of a player. And when he did get injured, it was a, a very painful, painful loss for this club, more than people want to appreciate at the end of the day. And whenever Brodeen got injured, that was what my article was going to be about. And I might do a revised version of it now with his uh, contract signing. Um, uh, what an important piece he really is for this franchise and why, well, that's a damn good signing. Uh, it's not about breaking news. It's about just talking about his value and why it's a damn good signing. And despite the fact the term is ridiculously long, probably too long, but I, I can think of worse things than keeping Jonas Brodeen until he's 34. I could... Seriously, I can think of worse things. Or would it be 35? You know, I can think of worse things. The, the no-move clause is annoying. It is what it is, but thank God we didn't give Dumba one. That's, <laughs> wow, thank God we didn't do that. Uh, Susie's still, again, you know, uh, he's a, uh, what do they call it, group six free agent. So he's an official free agent, despite the fact that he uh, is only age of 26 because of a certain amount of games played, that type of situation. Uh, the average age of Minnesota Wild defenseman is 30, so because of, you know, Spurgeon is 30, Suter's 35, Dumba's 26, Brodeen's 27, Patterns 30, Brad Hunt's 32, and blah, 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 blah. Carson Susie's already 26. It seems like yesterday when he was drafted to Minnesota from the, uh, from UMD. Um, Brad Hunt, 700 grand going into next year. I just, you know, you're not going to buy him out, but I wouldn't mind keep uh, putting him together in a trade, or you just keep him as a seventh defenseman pattern. Oh, God almighty, God. Gosh, one of the worst signings ever, man. 2.25. People go, oh, he, he, he's a good defense, and he's good. Yeah, is he, though? Is he? And it's not just because he averages maybe two to five points a season. Screw the offense. If he's a hell of a stalwart defenseman, then so be it. But is he, though? I mean, I saw some bad hockey IQ on occasion with that guy. Last year, he barely even suited up, and he got a lot of money. Um, I'd rather not see him suit up anyway. I'd actually rather have Brad Hunt in the lineup than Greg Pattern. And I don't want Brad Hunt in the everyday lineup anymore. I don't, because he's not that good. He's an awesome guy. He's the coolest guy in the world. I don't want him suiting up for the Wild on a regular basis. Uh, but no, but Brodeen's value and all that. Point longer, long story longer. He's a stalwart defenseman. He's a bigger loss to the franchise, I think, than Matt Dumba could potentially be. Obviously, Matt Dumba's got a dazzling offensive capabilities, but he didn't show it this year. And is he going to regain it? I hope there's no guarantee. And let's be frank here. When Jonas Berdeen is put in position, he's given opportunity, like, say, the second power play unit on occasion. He 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 has been productive. He's got a decent shot. He puts the puck on net. He can set other players up that way. Juicy rebounds or blah, blah, blah. He's got a decent shot. It's accurate. He had 30 points last year. 30. And, you know, he had limited time out there. He was strong um, in the limited amount of time that he played. I mean, I'm not going to bash on Jonas Brodeen. And, of course, again, 
there was limited ice time because of, well, COVID-19. You know, we've heard about that a hundred thousand times, uh, this and that. So, I mean, I'm very pleased to have him inked to the wild. I'm glad it's not more than six million. I think that's pretty cool. And again, it was, I'm losing my mind. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was 28. So just under 30, he would have certainly gotten it. Um, so it was 28 officially. I apologize for that, but basically right about 30 and a plus 15 and just smart, solid defenseman. And again, he would have easily gotten over 30. That's what I was writing in my article that I, it's still here, but it would have to be revised in a big way if I was going to still make that an article at some point in the next couple, <laughs> next week or, or so. Um, but no, Brodine obviously brings something to this franchise and I'd like to keep him here as long as possible, as long as he can stay healthy. And generally speaking, he's done that, generally speaking. Uh, and when he's out, it's a big, 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 big loss. So, again, no move contract or no move clause is what it is. It's kind of a pain in the butt, but whatever. Uh, Miko Cueva more than likely is not returning. It's unofficial. It's not official from him necessarily, but he is 37 years of age. Uh, that was the other thing. His conversation with Miko Cueva was that he's been telling his confidants that he's been asked that, uh, well, that's it. Uh, we're not going to resign you. So Cueva was more than likely done. I don't think he's going to sign anywhere else, but we'll see. Let him make his own decision, I guess. That's how things go. So that spot is most likely gone. And now we move on to the next center. Now you talk about guys like <laughs> Jewel Erickson Ack. You talk about, you know, I mean, Greenway pays up center in college. I don't think you're going to put him at center in the NHL. We'll see. And he's a restricted free agent. We talked about that in the past. Ryan Donato's played some center. He's not that great at it. Cunning's actually halfway decent at it, but do you really want him there full-time? He's probably a better right-winger than he's a center, but he's halfway decent, this and that. So the Minnesota Wild, before we get to the more significant trade and stuff, and stuff, uh, we add Nick Bukestad to the roster. Trade with Pittsburgh again, so I guess you got your comfort team, just like Paul Fenton had his comfort team with the uh, National Predators. It seemed like time and time again it was the Minnesota Predators. Now it's the Minnesota Penguins, because uh, Minnesota Wild trade for Nick Bukestad, the former golfer, which is cool big, tall son of a gun who's played center for, you know, a significant amount of time. He's been a right winger. Uh, he's capable of being fairly quick. He's capable of being pretty skilled out there. Uh, low risk type of move because, well, I mean, he's missed a lot of time. He was very productive with the Florida Panthers and he was taken early in the draft. He was a first round pick, not super high in the first round, but high enough to be a first round pick, I guess. Uh, he's slotted as a third line center at the moment. Can the son of a gun stay healthy? We hope. Again, 19th overall pick in 2010, the former golfer who was around just before the, the golfers went to the final or Frozen Four or whatever, ended up losing in a heartbreaker to freaking Union as we got. Not even a heartbreaker, just a devastating butt kicking is what it was. Bukestad was on the team that was like basically number one in the country and lost at Yale in the first round. That was pretty frustrating. Pretty productive with the, uh, the golfers. But, uh, the low-risk-reward, basically, is low-risk-high-reward situation is it's just a conditional seventh-round pick, and Pittsburgh is picking up half of its salary this year because he's getting paid quite a bit, about four and a half. So, I mean, it's a lot of money going to Nick Bukestad. About four and a half, no, about four, four-ish, a little over four, and the Wild are on the hook for only about two million this year instead of four. So that's pretty cool. At the end of the day, I'm getting them mixed up with uh, Marcus Johansson. But yeah, it was about $4 million. Pittsburgh's picking up $2 million of the uh, the cap hit, which is pretty cool. So we basically gave them a salary cap uh, relief of $2 million. And again, it's a conditional 7th round pick if 
Bukestad is able to play 70 games or score 30 points for Minnesota. So, conditional 7th round pick. So, not giving up a whole lot there. Obviously, 7th round picks can be something once in a while. But, uh, well, if there's somebody you have an opinion on that might be slipping, take him in the 6th round. Or trade in or trade down or whatever the heck you're going to do to get the guy in the 7th round or late in the 6th or whatever the heck you're thinking. Uh, the next Nick Swainy, the next Sam Hinches, the next... Uh, he could go on forever. He could go on forever. Phil Blinberg, obviously, that's a... I just love those seventh-round picks. I actually love them, and the Wild have picked some good ones the past few years. Again, like I said, Sweeney, uh, Sokolov is intriguing, even though we don't know what's going to happen. Again, Lindbergh was our seventh-round pick recently. I, I haven't... I have some kind of affection for these seventh-round picks. Uh, Brayden Shazen was not much of anything with a uh, defenseman in 2016. We'll see if anything ever happens with him. Uh, the WHL, Jack Sadek, Govers, uh... But that was the last one. That was kind of when things started to get exciting with Sadik in 15. That's the Coppers up draft, of course. Kaprizov, pardon me. Nick Sweeney, Minnesota Duluth. What a clutch son of a gun he is. He's a goal scorer for M. Duluth. He's got multiple national titles to his name. Sam Henches, who played with Moscow for a year and then wound up, uh, you know, with his new coach last year when Moscow came to Minnesota, this and that. And hell of a, hell of a freshman and sophomore year for him, and Philip Lindbergh, who I like very much out of UMass Amherst, a guy who keeps his goals against average below two, and a save percentage around 93. You're telling me that guy, if he can do that at the college level, you don't think he could uh, translate to being at least something in the minor pro, if not major pro someday, uh, even if it's just as a backup, maybe a damn good backup. I I think Lindbergh is the kind of guy, you know, I, I just have a really good feeling about him. I do. Uh, call me whatever you want with that one. Um, obviously, it's obviously very early. I can't get too excited necessarily. But, yeah, that was my article. Check it out on Gone Puck Wild. Have you ever heard of the Lindbergh? Okay, to the point now as we move forward. The Minnesota Wild made more news trading Eric Stahl for Marcus Johansson out of Buffalo. And I was almost kind of forgetting. I'm like, who the hell is Marcus Johansson? You think about Ryan Johansson. You think of him about freaking Philip Johansson. Oh, goody. And all these other Johansons all over the NHL. And even Simon Johansson in a fifth-round pick by Minnesota. The Paul Fenton era. And then you get Marcus Johansson out of the Buffalo Sabres. And he's, you know, he's not a bad player at all. And Bill Guerin had a very interesting thing to say. Again, we'll look at Nick Bukestad as well a little bit. He had a 40-point season here and there, but I'm not super excited about him. Uh... Forgive me for backtracking super quick before we get back to uh, Johansson. I apologize for this. But uh, Bukestad's best year was with Florida in just 2018. He played all 82 games, 48 points, 19 goals. Most goals scored in 2014-15. He had 43 points that year for Florida. All these, uh, all of his best years were, there were with the Florida Panthers. Uh, 24 goals, he had 43 points in 14-15. And, you know, in 18-19, 18-19, he split time with Florida and Pittsburgh and uh, 26 points in 64 games. That's not that good. And then last year, 13 games, two points. Two points. Victor Rask kind of uh, production there. In fact, Victor Rask, I thought, performed better. So we'll see. Uh, stay healthy, Nick, please. Please, I'm not going to compare you to Victor Rask. Stay healthy, Nick, okay? That'd be nice. So Marcus Johansson from the Buffalo Sabres. Eric Stahl, gone. So it's like what Bill Guerin said that was really interesting. Sorry for smacking my lips so much. Uh... Bill Guerin said, hey, you know, this team really relied on Eric Stahl for some leadership. Now it's now it's time for someone else to step up and take some leadership. Who wants it? That's basically what he said. Pretty cool. Uh, you got to like that type of a 
team captain, like general manager. Like he's literally a team captain of all these teams, like Edmonton, you know, blah blah blah. You can go on forever, Boston Bruins and such. An ultra professional, and he's expecting the same with Nick Bukestad with his homecoming. Uh, when Bill Guerin went home for the Boston Bruins, he said, hey, you know, you're not going to just come and ask me for tickets and stuff. I'm here to play hockey. I'm not here to just have fun with you guys. You know, friends and family that he grew up in the, uh, you know, the Boston, Massachusetts area, which is where he's from. And he had his two best seasons because he stayed focused. His two best seasons of his career. Bill Guerin, you know, like a guy who's one of the best NHL players since I started watching the game over 30 years ago. One of the best uh, out there. And he had an awesome couple of years in Boston. Too bad they couldn't bring him a cup when he was there. That would have been cool. But Bukestad seems to be uh, approaching things with the same approach here, and it's kind of almost like a last-ditch uh, last effort as things dropped off so much for him. Uh, age of 28, one year remaining on the contract. Let's go, Bukes. <laughs> let's let's go, Bugler. <laughs> Hopefully you can step this thing up. And then you have, again, like I said, Marcus Johansson, who as of right now is looked on as the top-line center for Minnesota. Don't think it's a finished product yet when uh, when it comes to the Minnesota uh, offseason. But Marcus Johansson looked on as the top-line center for Minnesota, even though talk is he's a better right-winger than he is a center. But uh, welcome to Luke Cunning and, and other guys like that. It is what it is, right? Jewel Eriksson-Neck has looked on as the second-line center. Ellis Kulchenyuk, who, well, we'll see if we can bring him back and how things go there. He's looked on as the third-line center. Quavo would have been the fourth. We'll see, but uh, I expect Nico Stern to at least be the fourth-line center. Dalton Yuck, I don't think it's going to be brought back, but who knows? Maybe we will. That would be kind of a desperation move, I think. No disrespect to Dalton Yuck, but I don't know. Jude Larrickson is in his productive to be a second-line center, but maybe he's just going to have to be. Uh, Marcus Johansson has got speed. He's faster than Eric Stahl. Stahl's one of the slowest players on the team because he's just a slower guy, relies on his hands and such. To be productive. That's why he's such a good point producer for Minnesota. But exciting addition in Marcus Johansson in a sense because of his speed and such. But he also has only one year remaining, just like Eric Stahl. $4.5 million cap hit for Marcus Johansson. So we'll see what happens there. 29 years of age. He's an unrestricted free agent and we'll see. Again, Victor Rask, two years remaining. We'll be looking at possibly a cap hit of closer to $4 million the first year if we cut him. Maybe it'd be like 3.6 or something, like super, you know, higher. But then 1.6 for three more years after that if we cut Victor Rask. I believe that's about what the figures would be if the Wild were to cut Victor Rask. And most people believe that'll happen. I think that's kind of on the expensive side. Uh, Zuccarello, I wish he just stayed with Dallas. And maybe he wishes it too because he'd be in the cup finals right now. That's a nice uh, segue there. As we head over to the uh, conference finals, I guess I'll start with a series that wasn't really fun to watch. It just wasn't fun at all. It was awful. Western Conference Final, Dallas Stars, Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas, uh, well, I mean, after getting shut out by the frickin', uh by Demko, as long as they did, Thatcher Demko of uh, Vancouver, you figure, well, Dallas, I mean, you got Hudobin, you got Bishop, and Bishop didn't really play, didn't really suit up this series. He's beat up, and now Bishop gets to go up against his former team of Tampa. Pretty cool when you think about that. And then you get a guy who formerly played for the Minnesota Wild, and we talked about him in the last uh, episode, and he might be a consummate candidate for this uh, Stanley Cup if uh, Dallas goes on to win the Stanley Cup championship. Ugliest uniforms in the league, one of the Lamar Lame uh, logos in the league. I'd like to see the original Stars logo when they went to Dallas. That'd be better when they were still looking like the Minnesota North Stars' second logo. All of us kind of knew, didn't we? We all kind of knew that was a bad sign. 
wish the North Stars just kept the end with the star pointing up and they would have stayed here forever, but life just didn't wind up that way. Mark andre Fleury, who would have thunk it? He gets to start game one after all the talk about, oh, Vegas is stabbing him in the back because, you know, Leonard's getting more time. Well, so be it. Leonard's more... Leonard's more consistent. Fleury's either feast or famine at times, so I don't blame Golden Knights for making that move during the course of the season. Um, Fleury could be a trade candidate with anybody out there. Uh, Hudobin, though, former Minnesota Wild uh, goaltender for a short time, and he was a, a stud this entire series. He, he really was, and he shut out the Vegas Golden Knights. Game number one, four, uh, one nothing depressing game. Vegas then shuts out Dallas. How about that? Rob, uh, Rob Leonard shuts out the Dallas Stars. Again, poor Fleury only gave up one goal and they still lose the game. That was bullcrap for poor Fleury. Vegas wins up winning 3 nothing in Game 2, and you think, okay, Vegas is the better team here. I mean, at, at least they're scoring now. Everything's going to be fine. And then they end up blowing Game <laughs> game 2, or 3, pardon me. Uh, Vegas looked like they had a shot at this thing, and they just let it go. They took a... Well, they just kind of kept fighting back, fighting back. Did Vegas in game two, but Dallas always seemed to have the upper hand, and that just seemed to be the case this entire bleeping series, didn't it? It, it just did. Two to one, then at that point. Uh, just so frustrating, because I wanted Vegas to win the series. Uh, they take the one nothing lead in game three, or four, pardon me, and I think, yeah, they're going to even the series up, hoping for the best. The LA Kings uh, hero, when, they, when he scored the Stanley Cup winning goal in 2014. Alec Martinez, and then it's just down, down from there. Again, shutting people down, and Joe Pavelski will get his second shot at the Stanley Cup. We'll see what happens here. Uh, help from Andrea Cogliano. All these former Ducks, Ducks and Sharks. Uh, unbelievable when you think about that. On Dallas, you know, Corey Perry and all them, and Cogliano, former Duck, and Pavelski, former Shark, and I don't know. You got former this and former that everywhere, but Dallas just kind of kept shutting down the freaking Knights, and the frustration just kept mounting, and it got boring, and then Vegas would mount all these shots on goal, and they'd amount to a whole lot of nothing. Hudobin would just match their every move. Then you get September the 14th, Vegas' season on the line. You think, okay, here we go. Vegas knows what their situation is. They're going to take this one. They go up 2 to nothing. Uh, early in the third period, it's still 2 to nothing. Everything's going to be fine. Riley Smith with his fifth goal of the postseason and then Dallas scores two goals down the stretch, uh, one of them very late within the final four minutes of the third period, and it's just, you just knew, you just knew, because Vegas choked away that overtime game earlier in the series in devastating fashion. That was game number three. Oh, I mean, it was 30 seconds into overtime. It was just like, come on, and you saw Dallas celebrating. It's like, well, that was fast. That was depressing. And then when it went to overtime, you just knew it, that Dallas was going to find a way to win. And, and they did, and Dallas advances to the West Final, or Stanley Cup Final. Kind of similar to what happened with Tampa tonight. Oh, boy. And then Greasy was the hero. When you talk about the uh, Eastern Conference Finals and second round and everything, uh, Thomas Grease was the, was the hero, helping the New York Islanders win game number seven versus the... Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, you just figured, you know, it's going to be a fascinating series. He was the hero, and then now maybe Thomas Grice can carry things forward here. Game number one versus Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's see what happens. Can they actually beat the Lightning? And then it's like, hell no. Tampa Bay destroyed them in that first game. They end up taking a three-game-to-one lead. 
it was a fun series to watch for a minute, but then, I mean, that first game was 8-2. to two. It was just utter devastation. Absolutely utter devastation. Feels like a month ago, but yeah, it was that bad. 8-2, to two, devastation. Tampa Bay makes it 2 to do nothing. New York scores five goals in game number three on 9-11 to honor New York City. That's kind of cool. 5-3, to three, kicks some butt. But then Tampa comes right back and kicks their butt 4-1. to one. It's like, you're kidding, right? New York hangs on, plays their tight-style game, and they shut down Tampa the way they did. And then they come back with the same type of approach. They score super early in game number 6. Very exciting. And you think, oh my god, this thing might go to game 7. And if the Islanders go to game 7, anything could happen. Maybe Tampa's going to choke this one away. But Tampa just kept peppering and peppering and peppering Varlamov. He had a very respectful series at the end of the day, especially these last couple of games did Varlamov. Again, the former Lightning, uh, or former uh, Colorado Avalanche center, or goaltender, excuse me. And then Anthony Sorelli, who a lot of people believe is the next Minnesota Wild. Uh, no, a lot of people would hope the Wild could trade for him. Maybe maybe Dumba's going to Tampa Bay, but they, they have enough defensemen there, it seems like. Victor Hedman, guys like that, you know, Kevin Shattenkirk and such and such and such and such. But Varlamov, he just kept hitting peppered and peppered time and time again. There were situations where it looked like <laughs> it looked like the uh, the Lightning were going to score. I mean, off the post, the puck got past Varlamov multiple times. It either hit the post or just slide by. Uh, Palat had an he had an automatic goal basically. He was able to cradle the puck, but it just was just not meant to be. Like a bouncing puck, shitty bounce, as Devin Dubnik would say. And uh, Palat just could not ring it in. He had a sure goal. I mean, he had... <laughs> the play had Verlamov beat by about three feet. There was nothing Verlamov could have done. Palat would have just had to maybe just not even have to do anything. Just deflect the puck into the net. Yeah, Verlamov was way off to, if you're watching TV, the left. Palat was way on the right, on the right post. And all he had to do was just basically be a deflecting force for the puck to go into the net, and it just wasn't meant to be. Uh, absolutely shocking how that one didn't go in. Uh, Killhorn really early back in the first uh, game boarded our friend Brock Nelson. That was pretty messed up. So Killhorn ended up being, uh, you know, suspended for a game. That was crazy, but it didn't matter a whole lot, unfortunately, for the uh, New York Islanders. As good as they were and respectful as they were in this series, uh, Paggio won freaking 22 faceoffs in this game, by the way, in game number six that just concluded tonight. Pretty crazy. Uh, Clutterbuck took a couple of nasty hits and crazy situation, but he didn't get the calls during the course of the series that he would have maybe wanted, but that's how that goes. And when you're Cal Clutterbuck and how annoying he can beat other players, I'm not sure that the referees are making him at the top of their uh, list of uh, priorities when it comes to giving him calls. <laughs> it's just the way that goes. I uh, love the way the Islanders performed during this postseason. I'm sure they could get a, a little help there, maybe a little improvement. Maybe if they can get a bigger name defenseman or add another score, this and that. Love Matthew Barzal. He's just unbelievable. Absolutely awesome. Uh, Anders Lee is an awesome player as well. A lot of people with Minnesota were hoping he would come home, but it just wasn't meant to be. Jordan Eberle is a very respectful player. Uh, this and that. Brock Nelson's a very respectful player. There's no major star in this team other than Barzal. Uh, goaltending situation I think is fine but Thomas Grace is a free agent I don't think he's going to wind up back in the New York Islanders it was sad the way he got absolutely shelled in game one that was just depressing considering how well he performed against the Philadelphia Flyers and of course then again the guys in front of him 
performed so well as uh, also to make it easier for him. That's for damn sure. Uh, Islanders could not stop this Tampa Bay Lightning offense. And this could have been a, a sweep. It could have been a five-game series. One up being six because the Islanders just have so much grit and so much ability to just hang in there. Uh, I, I really respect the New York Islanders. I love what Barry Trotz has done, this and that. I want to see the Islanders get back to the Cup Finals someday. I think that'd be awesome. Uh, this was the most successful season since 93 for the New York Islanders, and actually beyond that year, because they got to only five games, uh, losing to the eventual Stanley Cup champion, Montreal Canadiens, who would be the last Canadian team to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, Calgary had a chance. Edmonton had a chance in 06. Calgary had a chance in 04 against these Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, obviously, none of those players remaining on the roster. Uh, Tampa Bay has been the best team in the NHL the last two years in some ways. Obviously, Boston was the best team this year. But, I mean, when you look at their up-and-down roster, you, you think about Tampa Bay. Uh, they remind you of the early 90s Penguins. They really do, with player after player after player after player. Veteran guy and young star. Uh, the goaltender is spectacular. Andre Vasilevsky, absolutely spectacular player. Uh, Varlamov had a nice season for the New York Islanders. Obviously, more successful there than he was with Colorado. And, uh, you know, inconsistent at best in Colorado for the most part. And the Wild knocked him out of the playoffs in 2014. That was a lot of fun. Absolute lot of fun. Um, just can't say enough about that. But Tampa Bay, uh, if they don't win the Stanley Cup versus the Dallas Stars, I'll be extremely surprised. I always kind of envisioned, I always kind of thought one day, maybe Tampa and Dallas would get into the Cup Finals. You know, and Ben Bishop going against his old team. I remember last year I thought that might be a possibility, the way Dallas moved. Uh, as much as I don't like the Dallas Stars a whole lot, and I was super happy for the St. Louis Blues when they beat them in overtime, I kind of felt bad for Dallas at the same time because... They were one win away from the West Finals. They were one lucky bounce or something in overtime away from the Stanley Cup Final or from the Western Conference Final. And they odds are they were probably going to win the, the Western Conference uh, Championship round. They probably were going to win it if they got past St. Louis. Odds were very strong the way. That's how strong Dallas played uh, last year in the playoffs. So, well, what happens? This year I thought they weren't as good, but then again, I was wrong. I mean, Lou Nanny kept talking them up, talking them up, talking them up. Obviously, he was the general manager of that franchise when they were in Minnesota. For those of you that didn't know that, of course, 99.999% of you know that the North Stars were here, even those of you that weren't born yet. Uh, I absolutely knew it, and I absolutely loved the team, and I missed them very much. Very, very much. Can't believe they've actually been in Dallas longer than Minnesota now, which is crazy. They've been in Dallas longer than Minnesota, 28 seasons. Uh, they were in Minnesota, 27 seasons. Doesn't that suck? That's how long it's been already, and that's the last time the New York Islanders got to the uh, Eastern Conference Final. And back then, I believe, yeah, it was still the Prince of Wales Conference. And uh, interesting thing to note tonight, you know, Doc Emery and all them talked about how 94 was the first year that it was the Western Conference rather than the Prince of Wales Conference. And the Eastern Conference was given the Prince of Wales Trophy, and the Western Conference was given the uh, Clarence Campbell Trophy, just like it was the Clarence Campbell Conference Final, blah, 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 and Clarence Campbell Conference Champions. That was the North Stars in 91. Um, so, interesting thing of note, as we talk about the superstitions and touching the, the trophy and how, oh, if you touch it, you're going to lose. Put it this way, the 2018 Vegas Golden Knights were celebrating with that trophy. They were holding it and holding it up, and they got whooped by the Washington Capitals. Well, 
that was the Clarence Campbell Trophy. And it's the same uh, same superstition with the Prince of Wales Trophy. I don't believe in superstitions, but let's see what happens. Let's just let's put it to the test here as we head into the final, because put it this way. The Dallas Stars took a picture with the trophy and never touched it. They never touched it. Impressive series for them and all that. They look good. They never touched that trophy, the Clarence Campbell Trophy. The Prince of Wales Trophy was held up in the air and celebrated with. There was there was touched during the pictures. That was when they first started touching it. They made the executive decision that the Tampa Bay Lightning, if they win this series, they will touch it because hey, we're the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're a damn good team, and we're gonna we're gonna go out there and we're gonna get the job done, regardless of superstitions or not. And they held that trophy up and celebrated it. Not overly, because it's an exciting win. It's, it is time to celebrate, but not overly, because this is not the championship. It's a conference championship. I think Tampa Bay is the heavy favorite, and as a betting man, I bet that thing till it's out of paper, basically, because I think Tampa Bay is going to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, I feel bad for Joe Pavosky if he doesn't get it, but, well, if superstition rules, the Dallas Stars are going to win the Stanley Cup, because they didn't touch the trophy, and the Lightning did. I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty damn sure the Washington Capitals didn't touch the uh, Prince of Wales trophy, and I sure as heck know that the uh, Vegas Golden Knights did in 2018. Last year, I didn't see the trophy presentations, or at least I don't remember them as well. I, but uh, I kept up with it, but I didn't see like the last second because I remember those games not being as good at the time as these were. They didn't go to OT like these did. Uh, that type of situation. And plus, I was more focused on the Wild, per se, and like when the Cup Finals happen, the Cup Finals happen. You get excited about it. You're more excited about the Wild than necessarily the New York Islanders and the Lightning and stuff. But uh, I do think the Stanley Cup comes out of the East again this year. I, I do, and there's just no question. It was going to go to Boston. It was going to go to Tampa. It was going to go to the New York Islanders. It might have even gone to Philly, but, man, Philly is due for a Stanley Cup, aren't they? Oh, their last Cup was 1975. They got heartbroken, losing Game 6 in overtime to the New York Islanders in 1980. They got beat by the Islanders in 80... No, the, the uh, Edmonton Oilers in 87. I think they got beat along the way by the Islanders again, if I remember correctly. It might have been 83 or something. Or even Edmonton in 80... No, 80... I don't remember. Might have been in 85. 84, 85, one of those. 84 was the Islanders and the Edmonton Oilers. One old dynasty meeting the new one. One of those years, I think, yeah, I mean, Philly has gotten to the cup final so many times, and they just keep losing it to the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks. The 97 Detroit Red Wings, if I remember correctly, one of them was Washington, and one of them was uh, um, Florida, uh, Florida Panthers. No, Florida Panthers was, I believe, Colorado. I'm getting that 96, 97, 98 mixed up, but Detroit and Colorado winning three cups in that time. Detroit, two of them. And then you had kind of, uh, you know, you had Philly get swept out. You had uh, Florida get swept out. And you had Washington Capitals get swept out by those two strong teams. So, yeah, Philly just never wins. It's sad. I, I want to see them win a cup one day again. I feel so bad for the Philadelphia Flyers. I really do. They need to win another cup. I mean, it's, gosh. So, again, I say Dallas, or excuse me, Tampa Bay wins the Stanley Cup in six games. Sorry for blabbering on a little too much, but at least I'm talking about history and I'm enjoying the uh, mic by time behind the microphone talking hockey tonight. Uh, congratulations to the Prince of Wales champion uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and the Clarence Campbell champion Dallas North Stars, I wish. Minnesota North Stars, I, I wish. Oh my God, wouldn't that be cool? Um, 
well, Cooper of Tampa Bay, he looks kind of like Mike Madonna, doesn't he? So maybe that'll be some consolation. Nah, not really. But uh, maybe a guy who looks like Mike Madonna will beat Mike Madonna's old team in the cup final. Dallas, if Dallas wins the Stanley Cup, it'll be well-earned. I mean, one hell of a run. I mean, if they pull this off, it'll be extremely impressive. A St. Louis Blues type of uh, an accomplishment, beating an excellent Boston Bruins type of team with Tampa Bay. Maybe it's just that kind of thing, and it's just their year, even though it doesn't look like it. Maybe it just is. I'll be very surprised. They obviously have talent. They have depth. They have this. They have that. I mean, both of these teams deserve to be where they are today. Uh, I'll be happy for Ben Bishop. I'll be just thrilled for Hudobin. Uh, Pavelski, I'll be super happy. Ben and Sagan, obviously, we don't like them very much around here because we just don't like the stars a whole lot in the Twin Cities. But uh, we'll see what happens, you know. We really will. I'm looking forward to uh, what this team can accomplish and uh, what these two teams can accomplish in the next few days here. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Tampa Bay in six. They win the Stanley Cup. Other than that, State of the Wild 2020. Uh, some of you out there, though, that might do the hashtag BTWMN. Maybe if you could add your most valuable player, biggest disappointment, biggest surprise, just something like that. If you don't want to do all three, throw in a little something about that. And that would be very, very cool. That will be at the end of the day if you could do that. I'll stop rambling on right now. Uh, again, Tampa Bay in six, and we'll talk to you very soon. Uh, apologize again if I'm getting a little too wordy, but before I sign out, I'm going to give a few shout-outs again. Super-duper fast, Derek Felska, crease and assist. Always enjoy that. Thank you so very much. Uh, obviously, MNW Prospects. Can't thank you guys enough for having me be a part of that, uh, being a part of that page, talking about Minnesota Wild Prospects. Gun Puck Wild. I got a feeling I'm going to write a lot about prospects, but we'll see. I'm going to write about prospects. No question about that. But we'll see. And uh, check out my writing, if you could. That would be very much appreciated. Um, yeah, what was the other thing? Basically, uh, if you could give a positive rating for Brave the Wild on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. I'll give you a shout-out and a thank you on air. Uh, Minnesota Wild Hardcore, absolutely big shout-out to that Facebook page as well. Give them a like, a follow, join, all that. Conversate. David Kostick, Chance Kostick, Chad Walski. Kathy Main, Scott Cavendish, who's the founder of that page. Love you guys. Thank you again so much. Again, uh, Justin Backey for MNW Prospects, Brandon Quast, and of course, Pavel Bennett, the founder of that one. Awesome guy as well. Thank you guys for the conversation, guys and gals out there that are so loyal and so uh, much uh, been a part of this show for so long. And can't wait to get to your questions for State of the Wild 2020. Until then, take care and go Tampa Bay. <laughs>